Well, listen, you know, um, it, how, how many of you have a mother? Come on. You all did, don't you? I just want to see if you're awake. <laughs> and you all had a father, too? Yeah? Well, you raise your hand if you had a father. All right. But you know, if you had mothers and fathers, they loved to give you sayings. And they liked to put things in short little snippets to make sure you remember them. And they say those things over and over again to us. And my mom and dad had many of them, and you've heard me share some of them. There's just a number of them, and I'm not going to go into that because I could really get sidetracked. But there was one in particular saying that my mother said over and over again, and she would remind us of it as we started heading toward holidays like Thanksgiving, or times when we would be off as kids, and we had a free day, and we'd have a free few days. And, and especially if we looked like we didn't have a goal or we didn't have any vision for that time off and, and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. And so we were kind of rolling around moaning. You know how you do when you're a kid. And if we have some young people here, they know what they do. You know, you say, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to have any fun? I mean, like, you know, come on. What? Where are we going for Thanksgiving? Uh, will there be any other kids there? You know, it, over and over again, and we just were kind of whining, and you do that sometimes. But my mother would always say to us in those days, those times, she would say, you got to make your own sunshine. Kelly, you got to make your own sunshine. She'd never let us say we were bored either. That was the other thing. She goes, you're too smart to be bored. Don't ever say that. I want to ever hear it come out of your mouth. That word is stricken. So we couldn't say bored, because we were too smart to say bored. And we had to make our own sunshine. Do you like this little, the two turkeys? We, we, oh, see it there? I like that. They must be brother turkeys. Because that's what brothers would do. Only brothers throw brothers under the bus, right? I'd love to have a shirt like that if I were a turkey. I'm with delicious over here. <laughs> right in front of the farmer that's going to take the turkey out, right? I just love that. You've got to make your own Thanksgiving. You've got to make your own sunshine. That was a mantra that mom said over and over again, right? Because it was to teach us something. It was to teach us that we had the power to make choices. Do you have the power to make choices today? Say amen. You have the power to make choices. You can choose your own attitude in any given situation. Can you say amen? You can. You have the power. No one else has that power over you. You have that power. You have power to develop goals and plans. Somebody say amen. And even though some of them, as we had as kids, were not for good, those plans. But we still, it got us excited to develop, you know, plans that weren't really righteous. But at least we had plans and we made our own sunshine. But you have the power to do that. You have the power to change your experience within your circumstances if you're willing to act on your plan. Somebody say amen to that. You have that ability. Do you realize that? You do. These things are your responsibility. They're not somebody else's responsibility. They're yours. It's what God gives you to do. God will do what he needs to do, and there's a lot he needs to do, and we needed him to do, and he did it for us. And now he's saying, respond. Act. 
So this morning, I want to ask you something. Do you need Jesus' help this morning? Yeah, I like it. Yes. Do you need Jesus' help this morning? Do you feel lost, stuck, down? And do you need encouragement to know that he sees you and that there will be a brighter day? Maybe some people feel that. You feel a little stuck, lost, down. Are you desperate today to receive a miracle of healing? Some might be. Are you desperate today to receive a miracle of provision? That means money or or things you need. Are you desperate today to receive a miracle of direction or wisdom from Jesus for your life? Are you desperate? Man, you've come to the right place if you're in that that situation. You've come to the right place. This morning, we're going to read a short little story in the Gospel of Luke. And this is a brief little story, and it's familiar to a lot of us, but it's an important story that we can forget. And And it kind of teaches this nugget, but it has other things in it as well. If anyone will partner with Jesus, if anyone will partner with Jesus, and use that word partner, the son of thankfulness will shine in your life again. Always. The sun of thankfulness will shine in your life again. Praise will shine in your life again. Always. You can keep shining, shining, and never go out. Always. You might get knocked down, but you'll get up again. It won't be able to keep you down. I love that song. I get knocked down. All right, sorry, right, Lane? I shouldn't dance up here, should I? You don't dance once you, your, your core does not move or is not flexible anymore. Right. But you, that light will shine in your life again. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And let's look with fresh eyes at this little story again. Like I said, many of you will be familiar with it. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he set his... his Jaw to Jerusalem, he's heading for the final time there. He's going to be crucified. He knows it, and he's on his way, and he's heading to Jerusalem. It says, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. You know, Jesus likes to be in the borderlands, the in-between places, the places that not everybody wants to travel. Those places are a little different because not everybody, you're not sure if a person speaks your language or not. You're not sure if they're, Uh, from your community or not. You're not sure if if they understand you or you understand them or not. It's an interesting place. And it says that he was going through that place. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They didn't meet him too close because you couldn't at that day. That was a pretty contagious disease. It was a terrible disease. And so they came upon Jesus. And it says they stood at a distance. And they would have to by law. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. So these guys weren't shy or bashful. They wanted something from Jesus. They needed something from Jesus. Jesus, Master! That's what the disciples called Jesus. That's not what everybody called Jesus. But they were calling him their Master. Jesus, Master, have pity on us! Show mercy on us. Jesus, we need your help. We need your help because there is no other. We are desperate and we have come to that conclusion. Help us, Jesus. And when he saw them, he said, 
go show yourself to the priests. <laughs> and then it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Oh, it's so quick. So simple. Oh my gosh. And they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Luke makes sure we know that. A foreigner. Not a Jew like Jesus, who was a a Jewish teacher. He was a foreigner. A Samaritan. A person that that they were suspicious of. A person in the borderland. And Jesus asked, were not all ten lepers cleansed? Where are the other nine? Hmm. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to this man who was a Samaritan, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Well, he was already healed from leprosy, wasn't he? But Jesus healed him from something else, wasn't he? Jesus healed him from something else. What a great story. What a great story for all of us who want to partner with Jesus. What a great story if you want to remain thankful, if you want to keep praising, so that the shine and and sunshine of God never goes out in your life. What a great story. And there are some principles and some things that we want to look at in this story. Because it just, man, it screams for us to pay attention. And here's the first one that we're going to look at today. Jesus, and you need to know this, he walks in the in-between land. He walks in the in-between land, and he values the least. You need to know that about God Almighty. Jesus is the expression of God Almighty in the flesh. That's what God is like. Do you know that this morning? He's the kind of guy and God who walks in the places that aren't necessarily comfortable, And with the people that aren't necessarily comfortable, they're marginalized people. Think about who's marginalized to you this morning. We all have people that are on the margins. And these are people that don't necessarily speak our language. They don't necessarily act like we do or have the background we have. We aren't necessarily comfortable with them. Some of us today know that. Some some of us are more comfortable with one race than the other. Some of us can only be with young people if we're young. Some people can only be with old people if they're old. Some people can only be with people who make a certain income or have a certain education. Others can only be with those who don't have that. You know, we have a lot of people on the border, don't we, in our lives. And, And we aren't comfortable with them. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is. He's comfortable. Isn't that cool? Because all of us represent that at some point, somewhere. We're border people. And he's comfortable with it. And comfortable with us. And some of us are the least. And guess what? He loves you. And he's comfortable with you. But lepers, they're really marginalized in their day and age. You know, they were given instructions in the book of Leviticus, the law about this terrible disease. Anyone who was suspected of having this disease had to go to a priest, and the priests were like the local health inspectors. Okay? They were the ones that determined if you had the disease and went, ah, you got it. Okay? And then, the only way you could get that off your record, that you had leprosy, 
is by them re-examining you and going, ah, he's, he's healthy, she's healthy, they're whole, they're fine. So these priests had to do that during this time. And so if you were found to have this infection, all of a sudden your life would change. You're, you would have to wear torn clothes so that people, it would identify to people that you had leprosy. You had to have your hair hanging loose, man, even if you're a guy or a gal, so that they would know torn, torn clothes, hair's hanging loose, they're not just a street person, they have leprosy. And you were required to go, unclean, unclean. So think about that. You have to announce your uncleanness. That's horrible. Like going around, I'd be going around going, I stink, I stink. You know, stay back. And you weren't allowed to get within six feet of people. And if the wind was blowing, you couldn't be within 150 feet of them. So it was, it was a very debilitating disease, not only physically, but emotionally and relationally. You couldn't live at home anymore. You had to live outside the city, outside the camp. And you had to live with people who had the same disease. You had to be alone. Man, terrible, incurable disease in that time. And many believed that this disease was inflicted upon people because they had sinned. And so you were looked not only, it, it seemed like it illustrated to people, not only were you in trouble and you had a bad disease, but you also were a wicked individual, a person who had sinned and wasn't right with God. Wow, terrible. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. So Jesus' quick response in it, it's easy to see that he cares about marginalized people. Jesus didn't go, oh, get away from me, or, oh, how would you ask me this? Why would you even think I would care about that? I'm a holy man, a teacher of God. Back up. No. Here are ten leopards, and at least one were doubly marginalized because he was a Samaritan, right? And there might have been more. But they tended to live together, and those social norms broke down once you had the disease because they had to take care of each other, and they were all they had was each other. Samaritans were those unlovely outsiders of the Jesus day. And we need to think about that. Who are, these, who are the outsiders for us again? I come back to that. Who are the outsiders for our church, for, for, for you personally? Who, who do you keep at arm's length? And why do you keep them at arm's length? It's not what Jesus does. Why do you do it if you're following Jesus? So these unappealing people who were not welcomed by any others, they were welcomed by the Lord. So are these people welcomed by us? I hope you can say yes. I hope you can say yes. I've watched Jesus do a tremendous work in the lives of people, different people who are dear friends of mine, moving them from being a complete racist and bigot to a place where they can embrace and even call daughter, sister, mother, people that they once couldn't even shake their hand. That's what Jesus does. Because the love of God so works in your life and transforms your mind that he makes you a person who can enjoy and love the people on the margins, because that's where Jesus' heart is. There is no doubt 
something need to be understood here about the people who live in the margins of our community. And Jesus noticed, and he loved them. He paid attention to them. He did, he paid quick attention to them. But I want you to know something. Not only does Jesus pay attention to those that are marginalized, Jesus pays attention to the parts of us that we consider to be hidden and in the boundary lands of ourselves where we don't allow other people to see it or to touch it. But it needs to be seen and it needs to be touched to be healed. Jesus wants to meet us there in that place. He wants to pour out his love to us and his power to us in that place. And he values us even though we have those places within us. Man, are you bringing your border places? Are you bringing those marginalized places that you hide and you keep from others? Are you bringing them to Jesus for his mercy, for his healing, for his help? I hope you are. I hope you are. Because he wants to meet you there and he wants to show you that his love is greater. And his love can transform anything. So, so there's that first point you see in this story. You got Jesus walking between the, the two lands because Jesus is comfortable there. And you got Jesus responding to people that are really marginalized because he loves those kinds of people. And we're called to love them too. Are we loving them? It starts with us. It starts with you. But there's a second thing. You want to keep... You want to keep the sun shining. You want to keep the thankfulness going. There's something else that had to happen, and there was something else that these guys had to do. They were stoked. We, we responded to Jesus, and what did he do? He spoke to us. He gave us a command. Apparently, at first, when Jesus came to this village, he didn't see these guys, right? But they appealed to him, and it caught his attention. And, and notice, they didn't have to describe in detail their need to him. They didn't have to go on a long, old, drawn-out thing of what they wanted him to do, or that they were even seeking a miracle because Jesus got that. He was paying attention. And they asked him to have mercy on them. Well, of course he knew what that meant, and he knew what they needed. And in his response to them, you notice, because we remarked about it, he didn't come to them, and he didn't come close to them, he didn't touch them, he didn't pray over them. I'll do that a lot of times. He didn't anoint them with oil. He didn't do some of the things that he did to heal other people. He didn't do any of that, right? Rather, he simply commanded them, go show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to these people who called you unclean. Let them look at you now. Go. And let's see what happens. And as they went, the Bible tells us they were healed, just like that. You know, I love basketball. I love basketball. And I love basketball when you're going, you're trying to go to the hoop like this, and then, bam, you're looking over here, and you're doing no-look back a pass behind the back or between the legs or whatever. It's great. It's awesome to watch that. This was a no-look behind the back healing that Jesus gave. Hey, go show... Oh, oh, you need my marriage? Okay, go show yourself to the priest. Bam! And they got it. Didn't even know it hit them. There was, there was nothing dramatic. It happened so quick, they wonder what's going on, and all ten of them were healed at once. On the way. 
all ten. What a powerful miracle. What a great thing. As they obeyed, it happened. As they obeyed. In faith, they had cried out for mercy, and then they had to respond to his word and his command and add obedient action to their faith to experience the miracle. You need to get that. A lot of us get up to the line and cry to Jesus. Jesus speaks. And then we just stand there. We we don't move. Remember, the choice is ours to act. The choice is ours to trust. It's ours to obey. Right? You have the power to obey or not to obey, don't you? When when it comes down to it. You've got to choose. But maybe you're not ready. I used to have to be put out at timeouts or have really severe penalties at times until I was ready to obey. I get it. I'm still like that some. I have a hard head. You have a hard head. We're like that. But when Jesus says to do something, we're to do it. And then we do it, the miracle comes. You know, some of you know my son Trent over here, and he's got his fiance here today. Naomi, say hi, wait. Say hi, yeah. It's so sweet, she came to visit us. She, her family lives in Washington State, and she goes to Colorado Christian, and they're, they're going to be married this next summer out in Washington. So it's going to be a great deal. But Trent, when he started his freshman year of college, little did we know, right before he was supposed to leave, he ends up having to go into what we thought was an appendicitis attack, and they took his appendix. What they discovered is really that appendix was affected, but it was more than that. He, had, he was diagnosed with Crohn's. Man, it's such a shock. It just happened immediately. It happened so fast. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? Well, he's got to go to school. He wants to go to school. So he gets healthy, though, from from the appendicitis, you know, the appendix operation, but then things don't change. And he goes to school, and while he's in school, he goes to the hospital. And uh, he's having a hard time. And then he gets, you know, there's a ureter, that's a little tube that goes from your kidney down into your, I don't know where it goes, but it goes down there somewhere. (laughs) I do know, kind of. There's a lot of plumbing down there, and I'm not going to go into all the plumbing, okay? But anyhow, he had to have a stint put in it, and there was all sorts of stuff. It was just really messy. And he's in the hospital, and we drove out. We were with him. And uh, then they, they thought it could be all sorts of things. But ultimately, we came to the conclusion the doctors felt like he's got to have this major surgery. We do it all the time, but it's kind of major, and we're going to take out part of that colon. We're going to reroute everything. The plumbing's all going to change. But it's going to be better, and it's going to be okay. And we kind of went, are you sure? Yeah, okay. All right. So he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to try to move toward this. And we, we scheduled the surgery, and then we went home. But we just didn't, didn't feel like that's what we were supposed to do. And we just kept seeking the Lord. Do we need to do this? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do this? In fact, I went, went and drove out there with Trent, uh, uh, you know, and took a whole day, drove out there. We set it up in the hospital. And then I drove back, and uh, he was trying to finish up school, and I kept thinking, and Jody kept thinking, I go, I'm not convinced we're supposed to do this. And then we felt like the Lord said he's supposed to come home, and you're supposed to have him looked at here. And, and we, so we thought, 
Ah, he's supposed to come home, we're supposed to have surgery here because he could be more supported and all of those things. And so we get home and we decide. And so now we got to call back out to Denver and say, look, it's off. We're not going to have the surgery that you wanted to have. It's over. We're not doing it. We're back here. And uh, we went on our way and we were able to do so. But we noticed that once, we, as we kept praying, we noticed um, we felt like God was leading. But, but it wasn't clear yet. He was supposed to be home. We we're supposed to be moving forward. But what's the next step? And one morning, Jody sat up in bed and said, Kelly, God moved. He told me. He just moved. He just gave me that witness. And I went, okay, so what happened? And we talked, and I go, God did move. I don't know what he did. I don't know what we're going to find out, but we're going to find something out. Well, eventually he was able to get the stint. He had to have a couple stints put in that ureter, got that out finally. And then he seemed to be feeling better. And we were like, hmm, he's feeling better, huh? And uh, he had started some other therapies and some drugs, and we thought, well, maybe that's what did it. You know, we don't know. Well, we take him into the doctor, one of the doctors. We had two different separate ones that helped us with this. And this doctor was very experienced and had checked him out early on and said, I think he's going to need to have this. And we took him into him and he checked him. And he goes, I don't feel what was there before. It's not there. I can't find it. He goes, and he goes, and the x-rays don't show it. I think he's good. He didn't need to have surgery. I think he's good. I think God did something. Because he was a believer. And so go get your other doctor to check him out. So we went to the other doctor to get him checked out. And the other doctor said, looks good to me. I guess you're on your way. And we backed up and looked at each other and went, God healed him. He said he moved. He did move. And as we obeyed, we received it. He didn't make a lot of fanfare. It wasn't all kind of uh, 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 but it was effective. I don't know. How many years has it been? Five years? Six years? I don't know. Still hadn't had a surgery. He's fine. And we were about to do major surgery to reroute everything, and God said, no, just trust me. This is what I'm doing. God does it differently every time. So I'm not sure that it'll always be the same for you as it was for him, but when God speaks... He asks you to obey something, you have to, you have to by faith obey it to receive it. Jesus honors faith obedience. He does. When he tells you to do something, you're going to do it or the miracle is going to be missed. Where is Jesus asking, or better yet, what is he commanding you? Where is he commanding you to add action or obedience to your faith? You've cried out to him for something, but you've been standing there balking, and he's asking you to take a step of obedience, a step of action, and you haven't done it. Do it. Trust him. Do it. If he's speaking to you, where is he asking you to do that? Is your lack of action, is your lack of obedience keeping you from the miracle that could really burst into joy-filled thanksgiving? I'm here to say yeah. You have to act. And when these guys acted, they received it. Wow. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. So that's the second thing, and that's an important part of, of receiving miracles and staying in thanksgiving. But there's a third thing. 
I love how the Gospels in our passage personalize and humanize Jesus here. He is, again, God in the flesh, and he is the exact representation of the Father, and he came to show us what the Father was like. And verse 17 and verse 18 shows Jesus as a normal, sensitive human being, and maybe, you know, the best sensitive guy. So I think it's fair to say that when you read verses 17 and 18, you find that Jesus was shocked, he was disappointed, even a little hurt by the slight and the ingratitude of the nine other lepers who were miraculously healed and restored to their families, their lives, and their communities. Think of that. Think of that. What just happened? What response is the appropriate response to having leprosy immediately gone from your body? What response is an appropriate response when your son has all this kind of mess within his body in one minute, and the next minute, it's perfect. What response is the appropriate response? You know, I think Jesus wanted to celebrate. He wanted to rejoice with them. But they blew him off. They blew him off because they were too focused on themselves. They were too focused on what they wanted next. All they could see was, well, I just wanted to be healed of leprosy. Now that I'm done, I'm done. Those who don't express gratitude, and this is something that's important. I've heard people say this, and I do think it's true. If you don't express gratitude or thanks right away, you seldom ever do. Isn't that true? You miss the opportunity. We all have to be encouraged to be quick at saying thank you. Quick at showing gratitude. Right? Because it's hard to come back to it. Jesus treasures your gratitude. Jesus is real. He's a, a being. God has feelings. He created us in his image with feelings and emotions. He treasures that. Lamentations 3, through 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So they're new every morning. It means God's out there doing things every day to show us mercy and grace. Are we thanking him every day? Are we getting up in the morning and saying, thank you, Jesus? Are we going to bed at night thanking God for his faithfulness? Are we stopping throughout the day and going, Lord, this is so awesome? And, and, and are we prepared to acknowledge his presence? It also says in the New Testament, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is a command. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. You can have some pretty harrowing circumstances, can't you? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know why you choose? He's telling you choose to give thanks. You know why? He's there with you in that circumstance. He wants your acknowledgement. I'm here. You are not alone if you know me. I have told you I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your ever-present help in time of need. I dwell with the contrite and humble of heart. I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. You're never anywhere without him. His mercies are new. 
every morning. But are we aware of him? Are we acknowledging him in those situations that we're facing? Or are we like the other nine lepers, just kind of, and missing it, missing it. It's our choice to give thanks. Jesus is guiding us. He's directing us. He's leading us to blessing. That's his intention always. Are we aware of him? Are we aware that his mercies that are there on our behalf, they're there every morning? I met a guy at Lowe's. I can get intense at times, and that means I can get sour at times sometimes. And I was working hard, and I met this guy. And I go... I go, oh, man, and I go, he goes, such a beautiful day. I go, I know, I go, I'm just thankful that it is a beautiful day. And he goes, you know, there's no other way to be but thankful. Always. And he was just like so jovial, and he had more years than I had, and he had reason to probably not be as thankful as I did. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, he's right. Why am I not thankful more? Why am I soured or ranting or raving or, or losing my gratefulness? Because I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting that the Lord treasures my gratitude and he's with me. And he's given me a command because it's important and he knows I need it. And I need to follow it. So I don't know what circumstances you're facing this morning. But God is telling you, give thanks in it. And now, be aware and pay attention to my place in your circumstance. And obey me in faith. Because I will bless you. As we conclude, there were ten leopards in our story. They had faith to cry out to Jesus for help, and then to obey his command and receive that miracle of healing. Yet only one marginalized person, man, had the faith to receive the greater gift he offered. Healing of our physical body and emotions, that can come and go, right? It's temporary. Uh, some of us get more colds and, and flus every season, uh, then we can shake a stick at. So it's nice to get healed and get over it, right? Some of us have broken bones and got healing, and some of us have had things where we've needed surgery and found healing, and God has blessed us. But you know what's even greater? Is that Jesus offers those healings, but he offers inner healing of our heart, of our soul. See, that's what this other man got. He got a relationship with Jesus. The faith that makes you truly well is the faith that heals your soul. Because physical healings will come and go, but your soul goes on. Your spirit goes on. And Jesus wants to heal your soul. He wants to make you a new creation. He wants to cause you to worship the Lord in gratitude. And, and he wants to give you eternal life that you begin now. It's real. It's lasting. That's the greater miracle. That's the lasting miracle. The fellowship of the Lord is what's wonderful. That's, what's, that's the greater miracle. So as we, as we start this morning, as, we, as I started this morning to say, Thanksgiving is what you make it. Do you see that? It's your decision. It's your decision to call out to Jesus in a loud voice. Will you do that today? It's your decision. And it's your decision to accept that he values the lowest and the least. He values you. Is it your choice to obey this morning his simple word or command to you? Will he respond? This word and passage we've been reading is a word to you. 
Is the Spirit telling you to act on something in it? Are you obeying that command? And then it's your privilege-filled opportunity to worship him back in thanks. To worship him back, to receive the greater miracle of fellowship and love and power from him. Will you do that? Will you receive that? The Son has come. He's here now. Now go make your own sunshine. Go make it. God doesn't have to do anything else. It's us who have to respond and do something else. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Let's, let's worship him and let's close in prayer. Praise the Lord. God, we just want to say thank you again for your word. It is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. It is. We needed it, and we need it always. Lord Jesus, we just bless you and praise you for being with us this morning and having a purpose and a plan for why this passage was preached and taught and we read it. Father, thank you for the great gifts that you have in your heart to give today to each person. To those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, you want to give the gift of salvation and let them know you're real and you're there. God, help them to cry out to you. And more than that, help them to obey your word that you give to them, that they might be healed. And then help them to come back and worship you and give thanks to you. Lord, there are others of us who have needed encouragement. We've gotten down in the borderland. We've gotten to where we don't bring everything to you, Lord. And we just quit asking in a loud voice for things. God, forgive us, and we thank you that your forgiveness is good because your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Show us that we can be forgiven. Show us that we can be encouraged again. Show us that we can receive the miracle we need for the situation we need it for today. Show us, God... And then, Lord, as you move and you act, make us joyful, loud worshipers who give thanks. May we just come before you and throw ourselves at your feet and bless you and thank you in gratefulness and gratitude that would last because we would not want to go anywhere else but stay under the spout where the glory rolls out. Keep us there, Jesus. Keep us there. God, we pray, and I pray for everyone's Thanksgiving this year, that indeed we go make our own sunshine. Because the sun of the living God shines within our hearts and our lives. Because your spirit moves. And that we would no longer be put in neutral or be immobile, like we don't have a responsibility to choose because we do know that what we reap, we will, what we sow, we will reap. And what we reap, we will harvest. And so God, help us to trust that and believe that. And where you want us to sow, where you want us to reap, let us be there that we might receive that blessing and, and that harvest of goodness and give thanks. So Father, pour out your, your love and your grace. Pour out this truth. May the light of this truth continue to ring in all of our minds and hearts until we are walking in that place of blessedness because we know that's where you want us to be you don't want us to be held down anymore you don't want us to feel lost 
or alone or broken. You want us to be healed. You want us to be blessed. So pour that out. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen. 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 Lord bless you.